What's up, my badass intuitives? This is for you guys. This episode is about a young woman committing to her calling of a psychic medium. Like many others out there in the world, her extrasensory abilities allow her to voice what our intuition and hearts yearn for. We've all ached for some validation on that lingering feeling on the inside. We cannot deny this. In a quick search online, you can see various amount of sources about psychic mediumship. This is nothing new. This ability is accepted by many, yeah, neglected by few. Whichever you prefer, but the truth still stands that psychic mediums have been through the rise and ruins of many civilizations. One great example, the Oracle of Delphi. Yes, wrapped in poetic, Greek, beautiful mythology, but the truth still stands that it's a concrete place that the kings and noblemen flocked in order to gain deeper insight from the oracle to know how to properly navigate their campaigns. So they consulted with the oracle or the virgin medium that channeled the prophecies during those times. There were soothsayers that roamed around Rome. And the medium Nostradamus was huge and well, they're all around us. It's pretty evident we're going through changes as a collective right now. The news is bombarding us with stuff that we don't know what to believe. The sun is pumping extra gamma rays through our bodies, through this world, and so we are dealing with some X-Men Marvel shit going on around here. People are waking up to their abilities. And so this episode is an account of how you can properly hone in on your own intuitive abilities as well. So get a load of this. So my friend Katie, which you can find her yoga episode story before this one, she introduced me to my guest on this podcast episode, my new friend Anastasia Maximov. And the divine synchronicity of events led them to quarantine in Peru and be continued to receive teachings from a shaman named Carmen. That's, that's awesome. That's wonderful. So some people have their preferences and like to stick to the book. But I love diversity. I love fruitful change. It's lovely to see and hear the intermingling of different practices of healing, spirituality, and meditative disciplines. And so I invite you to open your heart, open your ears, and listen with a conscious mind. And I hope this influences you to want to hone in on your intuitive abilities. Good goddamn, you got some. You freaking got some, I know it. I'd like to just capture the organic curiosity that my questions will just unfurl and um, to get to know you as a person and how you came across this path to follow the psychic medium route. Um, yeah. Go back to your childhood. Where are you from? Where were you uh, born? And uh, how did you come here to Peru? Okay, yeah. So um, I was born in Queens, New York, and my parents decided to move to rural Pennsylvania when I was four. They just found that New York was just too loud. And my mom grew up in the same town that we moved to in Pennsylvania and she just loved how beautiful and open it was rural area just like a lot of cattle I pretty much just grew up like playing in the woods and the dirt we always had dogs and cats I I volunteered at a horse rescue stable for a few years so I just spent a lot of time out in nature yeah absolutely like um working with rescue horses too there were a lot of horses with different disabilities and issues that you had to work through with them and it was also an old dairy farm that was built in, I think, 1927. Mm-hmm. So it had a lot of history. And just being there, I would see things all day. I would see, like, little spirits. I would get messages and things. And we also grew up in a, ha- in a haunted house. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it was really fun. One of my earliest memories is when I was four, when my dad and I came to stay at the house for a week and rent it before we decided to buy the house. And he was just telling me that I was his little shadow because I was so scared. And I really couldn't verbalize like the things that I was seeing there, uh-huh. like shadows, just, it, it's just, it was just like a general feeling of unease and being watched. So okay. I, yeah, I grew up with this house that has like portals in it outside of it, things coming and going all the time, like spirits would come 
so many people that would come to our house, whether or not we had mentioned anything about like what's in it and the, the feelings people get in it, they would stay over and they'd be like, that's, that's messed up. Like, I don't <laughs> like this place. Like I've been seeing stuff all day. Um, I heard my name or like people would see things move and stuff. Okay. So yeah, so that was and a big so you part. <laughs> grew up in a haunted house. So at what age were you at this? Four when we moved. Four? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's a definitely a nice good young age to still be susceptible to to entities and stuff that's not in the physical realm. Okay, mm-hmm. crazy. So yeah, I could totally see how that really puts you in the direction of just being open to these these entities, I guess. Was it scary for you as a kid or was it just like kind of normal? Like is it It was really scary for me because my parents are both pretty religious and they would see things as like ghosts or demons. That's it. Okay. Like, end of story. Those things are bad. So even though I had a pretty neutral feeling sometimes I w- it was just instilled from an early age that these things are bad. These things okay. are negative. These things I shouldn't be here. Can yeah. totally relate to that. Yeah. Okay. So with Mother Nature, spending a lot of time in the woods and in a haunted house, mm-hmm. how did you uh, come to understand that these were like portals of different entities coming and going? Um, I remember my father telling me when I was really young, I think he also has some of these like intuitive gifts too. He's just never really gone into it. But I remember the one day he was telling me he saw like a dark figure by the woods fire shed and it had red eyes. And I remember just kind of like putting it in the back of my head, kind of forgetting about it. And then I saw the same thing a few years later. And all I really have to do, like I can do this thing called remote viewing where I just close my eyes mm-hmm. and I can see a place in my head and I can sense all the energies. Like I see it in my imagination and I can see that there's just this big red portal in the woods. It doesn't move. You can't close it. There are just things that have to come and go through there. It's just like a natural fluctuation of energy and it, it's kind of like a little highway for things to travel through. And oh, then wow. there's one in my, yeah. So there are a lot of darker things that come through there, but um, dark is just the opposite of light. I don't really think there's anything bad about it. Nothing can hurt you if you're centered and protected and yeah. believe in yourself. You know, nothing can really hurt you. So it's just something that needs to be left alone sometimes. What woods were these? These are in my backyard at my home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what state? What? Uh... Yeah, if that's in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Um, I'm in this little town called Lake Ariel. Okay. And a lot of the town has yeah a lot of energy fluctuations yeah. and portals like that in my town. Oh, cool stuff. Pennsylvania, huh? Mm-hmm. I just like to kind of see the states are so big. I mean, the world is so big. And we hear some of these stories every so often where... It happens in our backyard, these crazy situations. And so that's uh, that's really interesting to know that there's a portal in Pennsylvania. But okay, so you grew up in this haunted house and you're being exposed to these these um, otherworldly beings. How did you further get deeper into knowing this is like a, a psychic medium path? This is a, a role or this is a lifestyle? How did you get further into knowing this this lifestyle? Okay, so... um. I've, I don't, like I said, I've always been able to see these things in this haunted house, but it wasn't until I was about 11 that I actually met a spirit for the first time. They came to me. We had a little spirit cat that we were taking care of, and I was in our garage playing with the cat late at night, and I just remember looking up, and there was a light bulb behind me, and I saw this shadow of a man pass along the opposite wall very slowly, and I could just see all the details, and I, I just remember getting so scared and like, absolutely nobody else with me in the garage. So of course I got up, ran to my room and I was trying to read a book in bed. And all of a sudden I had the strongest feeling that there was somebody standing directly next to my bed. And then it was like all the thoughts in my head were taken out and disappeared. And the name Roy came into my head. And then I smelled cologne and I was like, (laughs) Oh my God, somebody is here. It was just so crazy. Like I could see this man in my head. Um, I could see what he was wearing. I could like I could just feel everything about him. Like there were flashes of his memories from his life coming into my head very quickly. Uh-huh. And like I suddenly had the sense that he died in Chicago of a heart attack, and that's where he lived his life. And I, I was just getting flickers of memories from him. I could see him. He had brown hair and a mustache, and he was wearing like flare legged pants, total seventies outfit. <laughs> and from there, yeah, from there on, he appeared to me a lot of times in our house. And I would smell cologne. I would smell pipe tobacco smoke. Okay. And when I would feel him there, I would feel his emotions in my body. Like I would feel this intense sadness. I would feel pain in my heart, like from when he died. Wow. And then, yeah, so over the next years, up until probably this year, I was giving readings to people, but I didn't have control over it. 
So I would, I would just be hanging out with somebody and all of a sudden I'd be like, Hey, um, your grandma has a message for you. And then I would see like their, (laughs) their family member or something. Like I would see them clearly in my head. I would describe them. I would say something and then it would just come to me. Yeah. And then it was only until I came to Peru, um, just over a month ago and I went to a retreat for ayahuasca. And so after that, we ended up hanging out with the two shamans that were conducting the ayahuasca ceremonies because in the quarantine, we just wanted a place to stay. Mm -hmm. And we were really attracted to the energies of the shamans. And we had an ayahuasca ceremony here. And I remember I just felt really worried about like my finances. And I was thinking, oh no, I'm broke in a foreign country. And ayahuasca introduced me to one of my spirit guides and she was like standing right in front of me. I could see every detail on her. She was speaking to me. And I just remember begging her. I was like, oh my God, what do I do? How do I make money? Like, what am I supposed to do? And she was like, you already, you already have a job. You're a medium. That's what you do. And I was thinking like, oh my God, this is such a big step for me to take. Like, yeah. honestly, like I know, I knew that the information I was getting, it was always correct. And it was always what people needed, but I was just scared to take the step and ask people to come to me and then to do readings. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I started like two weeks ago and it was instant. Like it was an instant connection into the spirit world. And I've gotten so much information for every person that comes to me. And it's just so beautiful because I don't even see it as like a reading anymore. It's more like a ceremony for me. Oh, nice. And it's, yeah, there's a lot of healing that happens in it. Like, and not only do people's, you know, like dead relatives come to them, but I look into their past lives. Like I can see the trauma that they never worked through in past lives that they had to heal in this life. Mm-hmm. I can see blockages in their bodies. I can see like their ancestors come to me, like people they're related to, they didn't even know about. It's just like this huge flooding of love that comes to the person and I get to tell them about it. And it's just so amazing. <laughs> And I love it. Like, I love being in that world. I love being connected and just to be a channel for those energies. It's so beautiful. And right now, I realize that it's completely natural for me. Like, I just never believed in myself before Peru. So So you as a psychic medium is very, you know, easy for you. You grew up with this. So, but for me, uh, I kind of want to get into the details of like how... Like, what do you feel? Because I know some psychic mediums feel different things where they get spoken to with visions, smell. Mm-hmm. How does it work for you? Is it simply like feeling in, like internally or can you kind of elaborate so, on those details? Yeah. So usually it's an internal feeling. It's my gut feeling. Um, your intuition. If you learn to trust it in every part of your life, you can just tap into mediumship abilities. And usually when I see spirits, they speak to me in pictures. Like I'm a really visual person. Mm-hmm. So I really just see it in my imagination. It's very visual for me. They they show me memories from their life. They show me actions. They speak with their hands a lot. And when they when they give me messages, it's not spoken word. It's really difficult to describe. But like in the in the astral world, you speak with energy. You don't have to use your words. And mm-hmm. human speech is very limiting. So they give me the feelings, and I'll see them laugh. I'll see them smile. I'll see their mouth move as as they kind of speak to make those words so I can understand. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of it is very genuine. And sometimes um, when I channel the spirits, I don't even feel anything. It just happens. Like if, if I'm trying to get a message for somebody to pass verbally to the person I'm reading for, I'll just start speaking and then it just comes out. It's like an automatic thing. So I'm not really in control. I let them um, steer it for me. Okay. But yeah, a lot of a lot of it's gut feeling and seeing it in my head. That's super cool. When I was younger, I, I dabbled in a little bit of astral projection. That really, you know, I had to learn these concepts first to really be okay with like wanting to travel in the astral realms. I haven't really traveled. I mean, I like successfully actually projected probably three times during that time of my life. But uh, that really helped me with the concepts was like some biblical text saying that we we are a vessel. And I'm thinking of our body mm-hmm. as being different now. And so when my mm-hmm. mind got fine-tuned to thinking differently, like, oh, it's a vessel. I am not this body. It's a shell. You know, we could verbally say this, you know, and understand it. But to really innately understand it in your skin and bones to kind of let go, I think it kind of helps. Did you uh, not have that problem, like, 
from when you're a child to learning how to channel and being spoken through with these spirits? Or did you, I guess my question is, were there some things in your life that you had to understand first to kind of get better fine-tuned to be a medium? So definitely. There, there are some things I'm still working through right now. And there are a lot of programs that people grew up with in the media from books, from TV shows, from movies. Um, they tell you that these things are scary. And it's just such a, a deep subconscious fear mm-hmm. that I didn't start really dislodging it and working through it until I started with ayahuasca because I needed such a deep healing to remove the fear and the doubt to be able to fully understand the gifts. Okay, yeah. I mean, I've always been able to work with channeling. I've always been able to work with mediumship. But fear is a huge obstacle, and it's just such a big program that we all have. And we're being hit by it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody I've ever met has had something, has had a scary experience with spirits. Like, something that they can't explain, so they think, Oh, that was creepy. That was that was horrible. I felt bad. But usually you're just channeling things from the spirit itself. Like a lot of us just pick up on their energy. So oftentimes if I feel fear during a reading or if I'm working with an entity or a spirit or something, sometimes it's a spirit's fear. And I'm just working that through my body. So okay. I can purge that to leave them room to communicate in other ways. But fear, fear is really just such a big thing. And I grew yeah. up with a lot of fear and I see a lot of time that I wasted being scared. Like, like I would watch scary movies because they had ghosts in them and I wanted to see other people talking to ghosts, but <laughs> it left, it left me feeling worse in the end. One really powerful thing is finding good mentors. And I found a few really amazing mentors on YouTube and a few really amazing people who've written books that really help. So mm-hmm. working through fear is like the biggest challenge when it comes to mediumship. Like once you allow fear to come into you, you don't get anything other than fear. And that's the vibration that you're working with. And then it continues getting more scary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Just being, being brave and just allowing things to come to you is really important. Mm -hmm. If that answers your question for you. No. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's psychological things that we have to work out too. And this is kind of also what I learned uh, at Arcana and just gradually through my life of being so infatuated with the spiritual realms with, with psychic mm-hmm. mediums and shamanism and the curing uh, it's a nice sensitive space and sometimes we're not susceptible to that healing in the message because of some things mm-hmm. you know things going on psychologically whether it's not understanding the physics of it or or thinking too much of it and just not letting the simplicity move through you and so uh, yeah i just had to have some clarification on that i, I could totally relate and um, in a way, this is nothing new, right? Like psychic mediumship and, and channeling, like, wasn't, I don't know if maybe you have a little bit more insight, but, you know, the, the Oracle of Delphi, uh, we, had, we had soothsayers back in the days, right? We had shamanism mm-hmm. is really old as well. Like, this is, this is nothing new, right? Yeah, absolutely. And one really important thing I've learned, too, is like this, a lot of people who have these abilities and people who don't realize that they have them, this has been coming through your family for centuries. Like most people have some level of intuition that they can work with in their daily life or speak to their spirit guide, even if they don't realize it yet. And one thing that's super important to me that was a very recent um, breakthrough for me was during a ceremony, our shaman Carmen channeled some of my ancestors and I wasn't aware that I had Native American blood and I met all of them at once and they were just telling me how important that is in our culture and in their culture. And they were telling me, like, just letting me know, like, this is natural. This isn't your blood. This is supposed Mm. to happen. Millions of other people have this and this is a gift that you share with others too. So this is ancient. This goes way back. And I think that part of having mediumship abilities is being able to regress because in our civilization, our society tells us, you know, you have to be a certain way to be civilized. You have to have your house a certain way, dress a certain way, act a certain way, go to college, get a job, use paper money. But it's like, if you really want to get in touch with your intuition, you have to go back. Like you have to go to your ancestors. You have to shed the layers of what our society tells us we have to do. And it's so beautiful. It's like, now I have a deep connection to the land. It's like I, mm-hmm. I can channel like songs and meditations and ceremonies that my ancestors give me 
to help me go back and to become more like them. It's really important to look back and see that there's a lot of wisdom in our elders mm-hmm. and in the people who have passed too. But you're so right. Like shamanism and, and similar practices have been around forever and there's a reason and it's going to continue <laughs> and it's really beautiful yeah i love it i love it stop me if i get too much in details for like client confidentiality but uh what's a common theme or are like the most common messages spirits and other entities kind of want to send us just kind of wanting to get a grasp from your perspective what do you see mm-hmm. the most common messages that would like to be translated or conveyed mm-hmm. so this is really shocking to me i was not expecting this when i began doing my readings full-time but the most common thing is for people's ancestors and spirit guides to come to them and tell them you are divine and powerful and you need to embrace yourself and your gifts and your divine powers it's like this crazy crazy turn of energy during readings where it's like just wow and it, this has been happening with people Every single day, I was not expecting this. It seems like every person that's been drawn to me for a reading lately also has some kind of intuitive gifts that they're looking to develop, but they are afraid to or they don't know how to. And then their spirit guides come to me and they're like, to be on the right path in life, you need to also develop your intuition because without your intuition, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to know where you need to go or what path, where your path brings you next. And it's, it's incredible. Like some people's spirit guides are ancestors. Sometimes they're like a great grandfather or whatever, or sometimes they're like, they're, they're just so varied. They come from so many places. They come from like celestial places, like where aliens come from. They come from like ancient African tribes. They're, they're just incredible and they're all powerful too. And mm-hmm. it seems like when I'm giving a reading, sometimes these people are like, Oh my God, I always had a feeling that I was powerful, but now it's like, wow, thank you. <laughs> and I, you know, I really wish that people had always had this contact with their guides too, because I'm helping a lot of people develop their intuition right now. And I just can't wait for them to have that confirmation every day from their guides and their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much power in incarnating as a human. And some people really don't know that yet. It takes a lot for us to really recognize that. So it's just every reading pretty much that's a message that I get in however many words or in whatever form or whatever the the guide or ancestor shows me. And I'm just blown away every time. (laughs) It's it's just so cool. That's yeah, that's awesome. That's we forget we're divine. We're freaking awesome, divine, powerful beings. And yeah, yeah, it sucks how we get so socially conditioned to be dependent on systems i did not expect that i thought it was gonna be like that's what the mind does it thinks and it assumes and uh but yeah i thought it would be like oh i still love you i was never sorry to have you or like you know just like last minute uh-huh. condolences but um, i guess yeah. divinity and the power mm-hmm. the messages that we need mm-hmm. so, so when you channel have you ever felt like a heavy presence that's exhausting because i know we feel energies in different forms and i know sometimes yeah in meditation whether it's like ayahuasca or some other uh, plant sometimes i get like mentally and emotionally exhausted do you ever get like that as well with um, channeling and mediumship yeah um so this was really surprising to me when i started i wanted to do a lot of free like mini readings for people just so i could get my name out there and what i found initially which was very surprising to me and i'm still working through is that a lot of the exhaustion comes from what the client tries to take from you. If there's a hole in their life or something they're not fulfilling on their path that they really need to be working through, a lesson that they refuse to work through or mm-hmm. refuse to acknowledge. So a lot of people who are looking for free readings have really dark, heavy energy. And wow, it was like I would give them a 15-minute reading and then I felt like I had to sleep for three days after that. And then we had an ayahuasca, yeah, we had an ayahuasca ceremony here. And I had just finished like a whole day of free readings. And for the first hour of the ceremony, the people I was reading for were coming to me as insects and they were all over me. And Uh. I could just feel these people, like, even though I had cut the connection and I said, like, thank you for your time. Um, you know, let's close the reading. I'm closing the energetic connection they were still desperate to take my energy because there was something that they were neglecting in their own life. So I was basically fighting them, crying for an hour. 
And then that's when I realized, okay, we can't do this again. So the shamans here gave me some techniques for cleansing my energy before and after. Like you take a floral bath, work with a lot of herbs and flowers and oils. And so now before I do readings, it's a lot more selective in that if I feel that somebody is only seeking to fulfill their ego, as sad as that sounds, I, yeah. I can't give them the reading because they just hate and they don't, they don't want to learn the lessons that yeah. the people reaching out to them have for them. So I cleanse myself with Palo Santo. Before the reading, I light candles. I do a half-hour meditation. I clear my energy. Oh, wow, a lot I of preparation. My, and Yeah, it's a lot of work. So I'm turning it into a ceremony, but it gives me a lot of protection. It's like now I'm pretty much invincible because Mm -hmm. before I was just giving away energy indiscriminately. I had no idea how to protect myself. I didn't know that there would be people who are like energetic vampires who just, some of these people, I get the feeling that they just try to talk to mediums all day too. That's all they want. They just want to take the energy. So there's a lot of protection that's needed. But generally, when I'm speaking to spirits, I don't lose that much energy to them. It's mainly to the people. That was pretty surprising to me to learn. Oh, wow. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard this term, energetic vampires. I'm all up in the, the socials with esoteric knowledge of fan-based pages on Facebook, on Instagram. And this is really getting popular. And it's, I love it, you know. I, I remember back in the days mm-hmm. where I was, like, the only one in the esoteric book section in Barnes & Nobles kind of learning about this. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, like, oh, sweet, I'm not the only one. And uh, when I first came across Energetic Vampires, I was like, huh, that's that's very interesting because I'm a social butterfly as well. And I can only relate mm-hmm. on, a, on a, you know, just a, a socializing aspect when you're, I mean, I get this buzz, this natural energy when I'm around people and we're laughing, having a good time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. after a while, I have met some people where they're just, I'm not sure if they are, they know that they're demanding, whether it's like attention or, but it really clicked to me where I'm like, oh, energetic vampires are a real thing because I felt exhausted hanging out with certain people. Yeah. My experience, they did not know that they were energetic vampires. Yeah. Um, is it kind of the same for you? Like they don't know that they're, they're doing this or? Yeah, they're usually people with a very low level of energetic awareness. It's not their own fault. Like you really can't place blame on these people. They just don't know. They've never been brought to a path where they're more self-aware of what they do with their energy. Mm-hmm. But I realized that energetic vampires have been around me my entire life because I have a lot of energy to give and I want to give it all the time. So these people just hang around me and just ask and ask and take and take and take and take and take, but they don't realize that they don't give energy back or that it's exhausting, you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people are avoiding lessons in their life too. They're avoiding something that causes them anxiety or fear or internal pain. So they find somebody who makes them feel really comfortable and they just take and take the energy and pile it up so they can bury those anxieties. So. Mm -hmm you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with them. Like they're just another part of our society. They're just, they're people. I mean, you, mm-hmm. it's okay to spend time with people who are energetic vampires. You just have to set your boundaries and let them know when they're, when they're taking too much and when they need some time to themselves mm-hmm. and when they need to ground themselves. Cause a lot of these people also never ground themselves, never cleanse themselves. So they're just picking up energy wherever they go and uh-huh. taking it. So yeah, it's good to know. Can you, uh, you kind of went over that. Can you elaborate more on your preparation to, cause I'm really fascinated by ceremonies. I feel like ceremonies, uh-huh. I want to reawaken ceremonies and they're mm-hmm. beautiful ritual custom. That's so beneficial. Uh, but of course for the people that have that perspective that don't see any, any beauty in it, any use of it, I think I want to kind of assist that perspective and seen in the beauty and ceremony. So that's like another project I'm working on. But um, oh, from your experience, uh, what, what uh, some of your favorite ceremonies you'd like to conduct or what do you like to do in preparation for opening the channel? And So a lot of these ceremonies that I used to prepare are very new, but these are directly from my ancestors. Oh, yes. um, during awesome. I- yeah, during our ayahuasca ceremonies, my ancestors have come to me and they've shown me rituals that they do. And so I incorporate some of those. One that's really important to me is this guide that I honestly had no idea she was in my life, but I just met her recently and I love her and she's been guiding me. I did a meditation where first I went to the lower realm and sorry, this is going to be kind of long because 
and no, speak and tell the whole story. Yeah, tell me. <laughs> but, um, go ahead. Yeah, so I did a meditation to visit the lower realm to visit my totem animal because my totem animal is the bear. And during ceremonies, I embody that energy. Like when I look at my hands, I literally see like claws. And that's like a way that I protect myself. Like I just have bear medicine in me. So I feel called to visit my totem animal a lot. So in a meditation, I listened to shamanic drumming. I went to this lower realm and I, I became like one energy with the bear. And then we went to visit my spirit guide. And so I found her in a cave in a jungle. It was like a really, really interesting vision that I had. It was really vivid. And I saw her, she was in a cave and she was kneeling in front of a person doing a ceremony. And she had two eagle feathers in her hand and she was using it to like flick up towards somebody's stomach to like draw energies out of them. And then she was showing me different motions she did with her hands, different um kind of like creating sigils or mudras with her hands and then she was showing me like she was putting her finger on her third eye and making a teardrop shape over and over she said that activates um the third eye and she just showed me a bunch of stuff that i felt like i had to incorporate in my in my reading ceremony so to begin my ceremony um i set up a little also cloth a little plate i burned some palo santo and i listened to shamanic drumming or didgeridoo like those two instruments get me really, really deep instantly. And so I cleanse myself with the Palo Santo. I like bring it all around my body. I blow it onto my altar. I blow it onto my phone. If I'm doing a reading over the phone, I lay down. I put, I do a teardrop shape over my third eye three times. I have a sacred medicine name that my ancestors gave me. And they said, that's how I call them to me and call my higher self down. So I, I say that name three times. Um, wherever I feel that there's a chakra that's unbalanced uh-huh. in my body that needs to be balanced and connected for my reading, I do like a circular motion counterclockwise with my hand over it until I feel like it's it's drawn enough energy into the chakra to do the work it needs to do. And then to stop more energy from going into it, to keep it where it is, I do like one clockwise circle with my hand, rub Florida water all over my hands, on my face, on my neck, on the back of my neck, on my chest for protection. Um, that scent is really cleansing to me and it's super focusing. Like it instantly gets rid of any negativity. Nice. Yeah. I also smoke mapacho, which is like the sacred tobacco of Peru. Rolls up like a little cigar. So you you breathe in the smoke into your mouth and you go oh. onto wherever you need to cleanse. So I do that four directions onto my hands, onto my feet. I bring it over the top of my head. And then I usually lay down and do like 20 or 30 minutes of meditation with the drumming. And my purpose during that is to connect directly with my totem animal, my spirit guides, my higher self, and all of my ancestors. Oh, wow. And usually, yeah, usually at that point, I already start getting information about the person that I'm going to do a reading for, yeah. whether, I'm, whether I'm already talking to them or not. Like, I, I already get it. So that, like, that opens everything up. Yeah. And, um... A really important part, I think, for someone else who wants to do a ceremony before reading would be to open your third eye and your crown chakra. But I like I destroyed my crown chakra. I mean, it's it's I'm <laughs> not I'm not kidding. It's so open that it's not here anymore. It's like in the sky. So like usually your crown chakra is like right up here. Yeah. And it really it really does look like a little silver crown or something. And uh-huh. to open the chakra, you can just move it up until it's lifted off your head a few inches and then like information can come in but mine like disappeared like <laughs> it went into the sky. yeah i didn't know you could do that but it's open all the time so yeah. whenever i want to receive energy i can i don't need to open it anymore but you know if it wasn't i would have to <laughs> but, yeah, just, you're just on a locked in surge all 24 7 huh i really oh, am that's crazy yeah. i did not know you could do that that's mm-hmm. this is awesome because i i've been wanting to get more committed with learning how to do ceremonies still a calling to you know really apply things now and i'm figuring out i'm really bodily oriented so i think i want to really do that with ceremonies and uh-huh. I'm still finding out right now, like if you can make your own or you have to do uh-huh. the ones that are 
established beforehand. Do you know any inf- information about this? Uh, your ceremonies, but your your preparation sounds amazing, and it sounds like mm-hmm. just you have a full fledged army of assistants to yeah. making sure you have no negative energy coming through or anything mm-hmm. that was gonna linger. But you being shown uh, your way to prepare and conduct your ceremonies, are they as a creative as the mind could be to make your own or is there like customary things that has to be set prior of like no you need to smoke mopacho no you need to baptize or you know what i'm trying to ask Uh yeah so you can it can be anything anything that makes you feel safe and connected it could it is literally as complicated as you want it to be i mean in the over the next week i plan on getting some instruments to add to my ceremony like i want to get a flute that i can play because music puts me into a trance. So I would like to be able to get into a trance during readings, playing the flute. So that would be a big part of my before ceremony. You can take feathers. You can brush yourself down with them. You can take a bath with like rosemary and mint or whatever makes you comfortable. Uh-huh. It, you don't even need to have a ceremony. You can just start with one thing. Like you could just say a quick prayer. And then next time you want to do the ceremony, if you have a feeling that you should add something else, you can add whatever it is that you want. Uh-huh. I mean... Honestly, it's it's easy for me because I just get this from my ancestors. But I would suggest a similar routine like I have. Definitely incorporate music into it, something that brings you into a trance. It changes your brain waves and it raises your vibration very high. And meditation always raises your vibration very high. And that's where you need to be. Like if you're if you're gonna have intuitive contact with any entity or with another person, you need your vibration to be where your crown chakra resonates. And if you're trying to have psychic dreams, you need your vibration to be around where your third eye is. So if you can get your vibration very high between those two chakras, that would be amazing. Or, you know, like even if I were at home, I would think that going for a run would be an amazing part of preparing for my ceremony too. It's just super cleansing. Like if you have any any like blocked or stagnant energy in your body, like anger, frustration, fear, sadness, if you can get that out physically with like in a, with an activity like running, yoga, um, <laughs> if you do martial arts, doesn't yeah. matter if you could if you can incorporate that too. Okay. Amazing, awesome. you know. There's there's so much you could do. You're making me feel bad now because I was contemplating on doing a run this morning. I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> I had a nice delicious pizza last night. Yeah, I should go for a oh. run. <laughs> But I, I just, I did some stretches in the sun and that was like sufficient, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you're, <laughs> you kind of dipped into the Kashuk records, like you got to run, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really might be. I feel, <laughs> I feel compelled to go running too, because in Peru, I like to run on a road, but with the quarantine, I feel like I'm going to get arrested for being out and doing something fun, yeah. you know, <laughs> not just going yeah. to the market. <laughs> Well, yeah, so how, um, just kind of like a side tangent, how, how is the quarantine life over there in Peru? Honestly, it's really easy, and I kind of feel like a lot of people are taking it as a joke, which is not really a bad thing. We need to lighten up a lot, because this quarantine is just a purge of emotions for the world. Like, yeah. you know, we got we got this terrible illness going on, and it's really bad, but this is like a really good way for the earth to stitch itself back together. So, you know, people are just as helpful here. Like the markets are still open. There are a lot of other stores that are opening up that aren't essential that like, we're just free to come and go. Um, The police are very relaxed right now. Like we still have a lot of people from the military with, with rifles keeping guard everywhere, but I don't really think they're doing anything. They're, they're just making sure nothing is going wrong. Yeah, so, just standing yeah. guard, making sure no one loots. And... Yeah, yeah. It's it's very easy here. I mean, nobody's really that concerned, honestly. We're wearing masks, use hand sanitizer, and okay. that's pretty much it. Uh, I know poor New York and California got hit pretty hard. They have a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it sounds like the same going on over here as well. Just mm-hmm. doors open. Uh, they're letting people come in. They're being extra cautious with wiping things down. We're wearing gloves, masks. And so I guess, mm-hmm. you know, that's all we can really do for right now. And mm-hmm. spend time to work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said that you cleanse your chakras and you rotate them. What I'm trying to learn is how do you know which chakra, like if one of my chakras is I got to work on, like, how do I feel that to know how to work on that? Like, I don't know if I should work on my heart chakra, my belly chakra, my crown chakra. Like, first mm-hmm. I got to get really more susceptible to feeling which one needs assistance and to be attended to. And then mm-hmm. how do I 
attend to it. So there are some physical manifestations that you can keep an eye on if you can't intuitively feel which chakras need work. Um, a really big one for me was my throat chakra it was really, really tiny. And it was very sick for a lot of years because physically I was not speaking my mind. That was really it. That was the biggest sign that that chakra needed working on was that I just didn't want to talk. I didn't want to talk about my emotions. Um, I felt like I had to hide my feelings at times. And um, we, we worked on some singing practices at the retreat. We had some little sessions where we would just do like different scales and then sing different songs together. And that like broke my throat chakra open. I had a really, really tough time singing at first. And that was like the biggest cue that I was like, all right, this needs some work. On a related note, if you're having a lot of trouble relating your emotions to other people, or if you're having a lot of problems with your family, if you're having problems in your relationships, or it just seems like you can't really connect to people on a deep level, that might be your heart chakra that's being affected. Or you might have physical anxiety manifesting around your heart, you know, um, I'm not too familiar with the other physical manifestations, but like whatever you have in your body that's going on, even things like your lymph or if, if you feel like you're having a difficult time breathing, there's a chakra that corresponds to that. Or okay. you could just start by doing a full body chakra healing. You could find a meditation on YouTube or something. And if you feel that there's some resistance or that you your work is incomplete on a certain chakra you went over, that's the one that needs help. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, yeah, that's understandable. Just like yeah. kind of keep out for the subtle cues mm-hmm. um, that kind of pertain to your heart chakra, throat chakra, crown chakra. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then um, from back when you were younger, really kind of learning about this, getting exposed to this to where you're at now, does your commitment to being a psychic medium give you any more insight to know where your future is going to head? Yeah, so um, I, I have a really clear idea of what I need in my future or the energies of things that are coming to me. Because before, I'm also a metalsmith, like I'm a bench jeweler, so I work with like sterling silver and gemstones. And that was my focus for the last two years. And I was just like, opportunities for me were closing down even though I was working on this amazing jewelry and really fun projects and I was having an amazing time selling stuff, it seemed like my business was slowing down. I just wasn't making the right things. I wasn't able to put my heart into it. And slowly my opportunities in my life were closing down and funneling me towards Peru. And that's when I was like, all right, shit, I have to do ayahuasca and find out what's happening. (laughs) So the reason that my business wasn't flourishing was because I was focusing my business in the wrong direction. And now I see, I have a lot of visions from the ceremonies of jewelry that I need to make that has shamanic purposes, or I can make like sacred shapes and sigils and like images out of my jewelry that will help people develop their intuition. And I even got some jewelry to make for myself that will help me in the same way. But the reason I was funneled towards Peru is because I had to become a medium and my whole life was directing me towards that, but I didn't want to listen to it. I was really scared. And I was saying, what if suddenly I'm not able to do it somehow? Or like, <laughs> what if nobody wants to have a reading with me? Like, yeah. Just silly, silly walls I had to break down. So now I see that when I eventually leave Peru, um, I have a lot of silver. I need to buy a lot of gemstones. Like there are a lot of sacred colors and shapes that came to me for gemstones I have to buy and use. And my spirit guide literally told me, she was like, girl, you have a job. You're a medium. This is your life path. Another thing that I relate to that is our shaman here, Carmen. She was called by ayahuasca, by the medicine to become a shaman. And she said, every time she got off that path, every time she wanted to step away from the medicine, she was broke. She was unhappy. She didn't have fulfilling relationships. So I see that my life will continue being abundant and I will continue on the right path as long as I'm a medium. That's just where I have to go. And that's, that's what I want to help a lot of other people with too. Like I'm trying to get together some classes for intuition courses because I see a lot of people who aren't on their path and their path includes listening to their intuition and trusting themselves entirely. So as long as you trust yourself and you surrender, which I'm, I think I'm doing an okay job at right now, Mm -hmm. your life will just blossom. It's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. exactly what my, uh, 
I think my second to my last podcast uh, guest I had, he was also, I don't want to say a medium, but he was a mental coach. He helped people how uh-huh. to meditate and access different parts of their brain and through meditation, but definitely like along the same subject of holding that space of the curandero, of channeling mm-hmm. and being a medium and, you know, conveying different energies. Uh, he mm-hmm. said the exact same thing. He said a powerful and which is one of my mantras I adopted, thanks to him, uh, especially during hard, troubling times in the medicine ayahuasca that I had, was trust mm-hmm. and surrender. He's like, that's a, yeah. a powerful tool people need to hear and just have that mm-hmm. into their bones is trust and surrender. Um, cool. That's awesome. It's crazy how life works, huh? Where yeah. it sounds like you're taking this mediumship more as a hobby or like not taking it as like their front-hand path of... Yeah. Your sole purpose and job, and now it kind of seems swapped where the metal smiths could be more of a hobby, but still going to help you out yeah. financially, putting into your your passion with mediumship. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that coming in, in reverse or? Oh, no, <laughs> I Not didn't at see all. anything coming. It's so funny. You know, <laughs> I was I was just expecting to come to Peru and drink ayahuasca and then be like, okay, now I know how to make my, my jewelry business really get big. And now it's like, well, you have to take it more more personally you have to be more sacred about it you have to make it into more of a ceremony too but guess what you're a psychic have fun with that so that's what's (laughs) going to take up most of your time so it's just so funny like honestly I see so many signs in my life that I miss that my intuition was picking up on but I was like man not me definitely not me (laughs) just disregarding it like yeah I was taking those sacred signs as like not even a joke it was more like a suggestion I was like well, I don't really feel like doing that. So no, thanks. So now I was just like <laughs> backed into this corner where my whole life was like staring at me and being like, you, you have a job to do. And if you don't do this, you're never going to be happy. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy right now. So I'm very grateful that my life path brought me here. And it's, it's weird because, oh man. I think I still need some help with this. I, I feel there, like, I think everybody feels that there's a higher calling that they got to fulfill. It's more righteous, that's honorable, that they just want to be thrown into just full commitment. And yeah, we all kind of need help trying to find that and access that. And uh, sometimes it's in front of our face and we can't see it. But um, through your, your experience of mediumship and conveying this, is there any trends that you can see you can help people with to kind of access their higher consciousness to see their higher calling or find out what their higher calling is to be committed to? Yeah, one thing I see is just be around other people who are seeking the truth because there are a lot of people that I meet who are looking to develop their intuition or find their true calling or there's just, yeah, there's really just a higher calling that they're looking for. But all the people that they spend their time with are not interested in the same thing. They think that intuition is a bunch of BS. They think that the only thing that you should do in life is get a degree and do it and maybe do a job that you hate just so you can make a lot of money and then retire someday. You need to get yourself away from those people. There's nothing wrong with the path that those people are taking. That's what they need at this point. But what you need is a little bit different. So you have to work on finding your community. The best place that you can start is YouTube. There are a lot of people who are looking to teach for free. A lot of people who love to share their energy and insight. When you talk to other people who are intuitive or people who are at a higher vibration, they lift your vibration also. So when I talk to other people who are intuitive, it's like my gifts double immediately and so do theirs. One thing that's been that I've been thinking about lately is really funny. There's the movie Field of Dreams. I watched it when I was like five and I remember they said, if you build it, they will come. And it's so true. You have to build a life that will allow beautiful things to come to you so if you want to if you want to leave a job that you hate you have to start looking for other jobs create a resume start volunteering in an expertise that you want to develop start talking to people in the field that you want to be in you have to make room in your life like physically get rid of stuff that you don't need so that you can feel more comfortable moving on like get rid of your old clothes go donate them give them to a friend um just clear out clutter give away books buy books that more align with what you're looking for, read self-empowering things. A big part that changed my life is that um, I used to have really self-deprecating humor and I didn't know that that was blocking me from manifesting. Like I would be at work and I would make a bunch of money with all my other coworkers because we were, we were cocktail waitresses. 
And then I would say something like, haha, sucks that I'm still broke. Well, guess what? I just spoke that into existence. I just manifested that. Uh-huh. So if you keep staying in that mindset, you're never going to leave that manifestation. Mm. So now when I see things like that, like if my friends say something like that, or my friends are like, oh, I'm poor. I don't have any friends. I say, no, you're not. That's not true. And I like, I want you to tell me right now that that's not true because it's not like uh-huh. you, you have to change your mindset. So, and if I see things like that online, like your subconscious is so powerful. Those things get into your subconscious. So if you see something like that, that's negative and promotes you not living an abundant life, just say to yourself, that's not me. That's not my reality. Mm-hmm. So you need to move away from that physically, mentally, emotionally. You need to talk to yourself, tell yourself that like, even if you don't believe it, look in the, look in the mirror every morning and say, wow, you look amazing. You look like a person who attracts a lot of money, a lot of friendships, a lot of fulfilling relationships. Um, you look like somebody who has a wonderful career, somebody that mm-hmm. loves their life. So it's like you, you have to start by kind of BSing yourself until you believe it mm-hmm. and then you can manifest it. So that's like a really big thing that I'm focusing on right now. And it, it really does work when you change your mindset. Yeah. Drowning it in positivity and mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it's verbally or thinking about it. That's cool. Like, I like what you said too. Like it, some people think it'll just happen, but no, you got to be proactive, right? You got to be proactive to get the life you want. We're such funny creatures where we act like mechanically with these habits that we do. The, the habit of just, you know, having crude humor could be so backsetting on us. Yeah, definitely. And that was like my thing in the past. Everybody knew me as like super sarcastic, self-deprecating, and everybody thought it was funny. So like, I just went along with it and I was really good at it, but I had no idea how it was affecting my energy. And I had no idea that on some level I believed it. So we need to be stepping away from that. Like there's no room in that for our lives when you want to live an abundant lifestyle. I don't want to get out of my respective time zone, but mm-hmm. I was wondering if I could trouble you with the reading or if there's any messages that my ancestors would like to give to me, if I could trouble you with asking for that mediumship. Yeah, I could do a really quick thing right now. Actually, I was kind of hoping you would ask me about your ancestors because I felt them coming forth this whole time. Every really? Time I talk, yeah, every time I've talked about ancestors, I feel like this like little push so i could get something really quick for you yeah i really appreciate that Mm -hmm. yeah so it would be really beneficial for you to work with your hands right now you have really healing hands and i see that working with the earth is something super beneficial for you too you can clean your energy by working with the ground and i see that as gardening like chopping wood or anything that brings you outside when you're alone. I see also that you have a really deep connection to three spirits. So that's something that you can work with too. Um, you can create ceremonies that have to do with like old trees around you, wherever you can find them. They're really powerful energies. And I see them as really wise masculine energies. And I think that that's a lot that you could take from and they will freely give their energy. And that can be really helpful for your intuitive development too. I love trees, yeah. That's something really important right now too. And I see it as like a a quarantine thing. You can make an homage out of it. So if there's a place like a national park or something or a state park or whatever that you can get to and you can connect with those trees, I can see that you can get visions through them and that you can introduce new abundant energy into your life through those. That's an ancestry thing for me though. And I see it as they're calling you to work with the ground. That's a really big message for you. Yeah, I also see, um, I see like multiple points of your heritage. Like there, there are like several different countries that your ancestors come from. There's one in Europe near Russia that calls you back to. I'm trying to think of it. I want to say it's Romania, but I can't be sure. But yeah, it's, it's in Europe that they would like you to come back and learn their culture again. No way. That's crazy. Doing the 23 and Me just to see where my ethnicity comes from. I really didn't know about my dad's side, and I just knew he was half white, coming from Pennsylvania. And looking at 23 and Me, it just kind of go all the way back to like Irish to Russian uh, mm-hmm. geolocations, and so. Yeah, I definitely see. I, I also want to say there's a country that I don't even know the name of. Like it's something like Kazakhstan. It's right below Russia, and I see that very strongly. And I see part of their culture is like a lot of brightly embroidered flowers, which is very much, it reminds me of Russia, but like I said, it's right below it. So I have to take a look at a map for you to figure out which one it is. But 
just beautiful, brightly embroidered clothing. And that's just something that they need you to see. So if you ever get down there, <laughs> if this quarantine ever ends and you can and you can eventually have an adventure there, oh, that's that's part of your path too. I think that there's a lot of learning that you can do there. No, I love it. Yeah, it sounds. I've always wanted to go to Egypt, but I might as well make it a little bit further and check out where my ancestors are calling me from. Mm-hmm. I'd like to. I'd like to get to know them on a personal level too. Um, yeah, it's really crazy how many different ancestors call to us too. Like I've had a lot of different people who know their heritage as mostly from like I don't know, like Scotland or people who have most of their ancestors in Mexico or whatever, but there's like a really tiny piece of their heritage that comes from somewhere else that they really weren't aware of. It wasn't really on their radar, but that's calling them to complete the puzzle because as I see it, it's like you have to honor all of your ancestors. You can't Mm -hmm. just pick and choose which ones are the coolest or which ones have the traditions that you relate to the most. It's Mm -hmm. you have to honor every single person in order to have the complete puzzle and to have a feeling of fulfillment too. So, mm, yeah, important well, I got to apologize to my ancestors because I did not know I was neglecting some of them. <laughs> just like how you said, yeah, I, was, I just felt more related to down south, you know, that's why I went to Peru mm-hmm. to do ayahuasca and just knowing the way of the shaman. I've been uh-huh. craving to have some time to kind of do some shamanic work where I could do a dieta and mm-hmm. uh, did not know yeah. I was neglecting and I shall check that out. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not even neglecting yet. It was just they were waiting for a certain time to make themselves known to you. Okay. Because, because like, um, I have a lot of Russian heritage, and I've been, like, in that culture my whole life with my family, and yet I never really felt called to it. Like, I, I really tried to make myself as Russian as I could. Like, I really tried to be part of that culture, but it never called to me until literally, like, last week somebody mentioned like Russian indigenous people and there are Russian shamans. There's like two that exist there. And I was like, okay, how did I oh, not know yeah. this? Now yeah. you have my attention. <laughs> like, yeah, sometimes they're just waiting for a certain point in your life to let you know that it's okay to come to them. That's all. Cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, now I can't wait to not be grounded with this quarantine life. I got to get back to traveling. <laughs> yeah i can't wait till the world opens up again because i see like for myself and so many people we've been going within so much that now we're ready to just get out and tackle everything that we <laughs> wanted to learn about it's like let me go <laughs> i want to go travel i want to see everything now i want to meet everybody right it's just so exciting a new energy that's like filling all of us <laughs> yeah we're just being fueled right now by by the natural healing energies and our ancestors just waiting for us to unleash. I'm such an affectionate person, but I know they're going to probably have to have the, the elbows of greeting people because I, I love to hug. I love to hug and kiss and just be affectionate. And that's probably not a good idea right away for after the court. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. We'll get there. Well, Anastasia, I also love your name. I don't know if I told you that in the beginning. That's I've always was fascinated with Anastasia. Oh, thank you. Where can people find you? Where can uh, people reach out to you, whether they're curious about psychic mediumship, you as a Smith jeweler as well, um, mm-hmm. or just, you know, a conscious connection to network? Where can people uh-huh. find you? Okay, well, um, right now, I guess people can really just add me on Facebook because it's the easiest way to meet me. My name is Anastasia Maximov, and I also have a Facebook page for my mediumship, and I have like lists of my schedules and like how to book me and everything. And that page is called Readings, Insights, and Spiritual Journeys by Anastasia. And then eventually I'm going to get um, a Patreon up and going through um, through the end of this week because I'm looking to start some intuitive development courses because a lot of people have been asking me for that. So I'll be posting that both on my Facebook page for my readings and my main page so I can share that when that's up and running too. My Instagram is Anna.Slasia. So like Anastasia, and it's really <laughs> silly. And I don't go on it often, but I will be updating it more. Okay. Uh, <laughs> also put it in the show notes, but it's kind of just nice to hear it when people are on the podcast. Okay. Cool, cool. Well, thank you for being uh, here with me and sharing your perspective on your, your mm-hmm. mediumship. It was wonderful. And um, I wish you the best on your journeys. And uh, hopefully I get to see you and Katie soon once we're done with this quarantine life. I would like to. Yeah hang out with you guys and just 
make another friend and mm-hmm. see how we can all assist each other in this leveling up that we all must mm-hmm. do. Yeah, that would be so amazing. Thank you so much, Michael. It really makes me just so happy to share with people that like healing and developing their intuition is possible. So I think it's, I think it's really empowering for other people to hear about um, my experiences growing up and developing that intuition too. So it's honestly such a gift to be talking to you and to share and just to have my brain picked. It makes me so happy. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. Sharing is caring. And so mm-hmm. I'm just trying to help spread this message and spread more of this theme of be more intuitive. I think a lot of people have neglected their intuition and it's time to just listen to that. Follow our yes. intuition. It does not lead us astray. I'm a big believer in that Absolutely. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so scary to surrender, but once you do your whole life just opens up and you have everything within your reach. So it's just really empowering to know that and to be able to share that message. You know, it's mm-hmm. so beautiful. Cool. Is there uh, any last shout outs or insights you want to kind of give to, to people that, that might be listening or. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, um, one thing I really want to say is get in touch with your creativity. Everybody, no matter how bad you think your art is or how bad you think you're seeing voices like, now is a really good time that the earth is purging a lot of negative emotions. And this is time to develop new abilities, new intuition, new skills, new hobbies. And you can just dive right into it. Like I, I see so much beautiful creativity in people that they're afraid to express. And it's just so important that you have an outlet for it. So even if you just like, you just have a big piece of paper and you finger paint on it, or you just, whatever, it doesn't matter. Just get out and do it. And do something that makes you feel free and something that makes your heart feel happy. And then just look at it afterwards and think about it and just say, I did a really good job and I'm proud of myself. Always be proud of yourself and always be free to express yourself. Awesome. Yeah. That's cr- I love it. Let's create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Anastasia. This is, mm-hmm. uh, this is my pleasure and I'm glad that we could share this space. Right, thank you so much. <laughs>